This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Even though this week was a short one, it did feel like a month. So since it's noon on another wonderful Friday, let's catch up on the week that was with our weekly news recap, because we've got so many stories to sort through. New campaign finance data show multiple candidates for Chicago mayor have at least a million dollars in the bank ahead of next month's election. Chicago is set to receive $20 million from the state to support asylum seekers. Early voting, meantime, begins in Chicago next week, Thursday, January 26th, at two locations in the downtown area. The first live televised debate between all nine candidates covered everything from crime to corruption. And this was the time for each candidate to show Chicago voters why they deserve the city's top job and and your vote. Here to help us make sense of it all is Paris Schutz, political correspondent and anchor at WTTW. Hey, Paris. Hey, Sasha. Also with us, Carrie Shepard, lead producer of CityCast Chicago. That's a daily podcast and newsletter. Hey, Carrie, welcome hey, back. Hey, Sasha. Thanks. And Steve Daniels, senior reporter at Crane's Chicago Business. Welcome, Steve. Thanks. I want to give a special shout out to the folks who are watching us right now. Break down the week's news live. Go ahead and wave, gang. They're on the WBEZ Facebook or they're on the WBEZ <laughs> YouTube pages. And you can also watch this live stream on Reset's Facebook page as well. So we are going to start with this race for Chicago's mayor. Last night was the first televised debate with candidates. Which of you caught the debate last night? Watched it. I uh, I was uh, broadcasting Chicago tonight, so I caught the last half hour to 45 minutes. I caught a few minutes and then fell asleep. What about uh, you, Steve? I, I did not see it, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will watch it, though. I it'll will be watch. broadcast on their air on the ABC on Sunday, Sunday night. I think, yeah. yeah. Well, Paris, crime was the hot topic of the night with many candidates slamming Mayor Lightfoot for high crime rates. Let's listen when Jamal Green spoke. I'm trying to figure out how do we continue to allow the mayor uh, to lie about the numbers. We are not down when it comes to before her administration started. Last year, oh, the year before last, it was a 25-year high. So what did others have to say? Well, there's this kind of spectrum uh, based on you know whether you're a progressive candidate or you're, you're more toward the center in, in terms of whether you want more police officers, more resources for police officers versus whether you want to divert some of those resources to more uh, mental health help. Um, and they all, except for Mayor Lightfoot, basically want a new police superintendent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the most jarring comment of the night came from Willie Wilson, who said in terms of foot chases that he wants to basically, in his words, take the cuffs off police and have them chase the quote unquote bad guys down and hunt them like rabbits. That, that was a comment that, you know, that the mayor kind of pounced on afterward. And, and I think that Wilson has to kind of explain what he means by that. Does he mean someone that might be a teenager and unarmed that's just being stupid and running away? I mean, does he think that they deserve to be shot and killed? Mm. I mean, that, mm. he, he, he needs to explain that a lot, a lot deeper. You know, it's also political science 101, I believe, that, you know, if you are the incumbent, the challengers are going to target you and they're going to target your record more than they actually attack each other. Are we in for more of the same over the next roughly five and a half weeks, folks? It feels like it. I don't actually didn't watching all 90 minutes of the debate. I didn't think I learned anything really new. As Paris said, a lot of the quote unquote more progressives, which we could question that a little bit as well. Candidates are all about treatment or treatment over trauma, talking about diverting resources and money away from the police. Paul Vallis, some of the more center, you know, conservatives are saying, no, no, we need more cops. Um so, but I didn't, and then the mayor, obviously, she sort of 
continued her line of like, we're doing everything you all are proposing. This is what I'm already doing. I've already put this in place. I expected more fireworks between her and Congressman Chuy Garcia. I think we all did. Yeah. yeah. And I was a little surprised that I didn't see those. I don't know. I mean, she did. He did support her during her 2019 uh, run, but I I think people name recognition wise, those are the two names that most yeah. casual voters are even going to know. So I thought that they'd go at each other more. Well, that, there was a funny comment I think from Brandon Johnson, uh, who said that Chewy's crime plan was basically plagiarizing yep. Lightfoot's yep. crime plan, and Chewy said, "Well, well, not exactly. A, she hasn't really carried it through, and B, I want a new police superintendent." There was a moment where. Lightfoot did take a question, turn around and say, well, Chewy, you were too busy taking money from Sam Bankman-Fried and cutting deals with Mike Madigan. And that's really been Lightfoot's strategy right now to attack those kind of associations that Mm. Chewy has, because I think it does acknowledge that Chewy is a front runner. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and, and her strategy now is to try and kind of define him and his negatives. Well, I mean, Steve, what do you you think? What do you think Lightfoot should do to to prepare if, if other debates turn out like last night's? You know, she's the one thing about her is she's consistent and she she is who she is. And and, uh, I don't really see uh, even if she decided on a different strategy, Mm -hmm. uh, her personality is so strong uh, that uh, I don't think it would work. Um, You know, like every race, uh, this is a, a referendum on the incumbent and uh, you know, there, she's not super popular in the city of Chicago. That's not a secret. So the the question then becomes: Okay, if we if it's going to be somebody else, is it somebody we can get comfortable with? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, of course, all have different opinions about what needs to happen in the city of Chicago. It's it's you know, I think there's I think there's a feeling the city's not where it ought to be uh, coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, uh, crime is clearly the the number one issue that reflects that. It's not the only one. Um, you know, I, I work for Crane Chicago Business. Business conditions, too, yeah. are, are, are important. But, um, yeah, first first things first. She's the incumbent, and uh, so uh, she's going to defend her record. She's very good at doing that, and uh, she'll continue to do that, and we'll just see where the chips fall. Well, back to uh, Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson. The, the, ba- the debate continued on to policing, and, and Johnson called for greater community investment over upping police hiring. It, what did other candidates have to say about that? Um, I mean, kind of like what what we said. I mean, like as Kerry said, Paul Vallis yeah. is is more. You know, his sons are cops. He thinks that they they need to hire more police officers. Um, what about Willie Wilson, though? Was Willie Wilson's the even, even, even further to the right of Paul Vallis on that. He said he was talked about taking the handcuffs off the police. T- taking the handcuffs off the police. It should be mentioned, though, that, you know, under Lightfoot, there is this pilot program to have mental health mm-hmm. first responders to, to answer some of these domestic calls. And, and, and I've said this many times. There's agreement um, between – there's rare agreement between police officers, even – even members of the FOP maybe and more progressive residents that that think that like police should not be spending their time on these kinds of calls and they are not health, trained to they're exactly. not trained they to say but we yeah we that's not what and, we're and, trained to do and their resources are more sort of they're better deployed uh, with heavier crime and you know this is where kind of like the whole slogan defund the police kind of screwed everything up because they're on the concept of it there is 
agreement. This is not controversial. I mean, I don't, I don't think you would see any candidate on that stage that would say, no, we should have no mental health first responders responding to any, maybe Willie Wilson, who knows. But um, it's not a controversial idea. It's just the sloganeering around it kind mm-hmm. of made it a political football. Yeah, agreed. Well, another topic here, they talked about different approaches to supporting some of those hundreds or thousands, really, of migrants who were bussed into the city from, from Texas's southern border. Any solutions brought up last night? I mean, I think that one thing that Chewy, you know, that people did take aim at is, you know, has he used some of his power, quote unquote power, but, you know, in Congress to get federal funds for stuff like, you know, the migrants for more, you know, better public transportation, CTA funds, et cetera, coming out of the pandemic? Um, No, I mean, you know, Lightfoot reiterated that we are a sanctuary city. We are a sanctuary state. Um, Willie Wilson, again, um, made the point that we need to, which actually is, you do hear this from Mm. more conservative folks, that we need to take care of who's already, who's suffering in our city and who needs housing and in jobs in our city instead of welcoming in, you know, close to 5,000 migrants. Um, But yeah, I don't know that there were really real solutions uh, presented that I recall. A Woodlawn became a flashpoint yeah. on yeah. this uh, very recently on mm-hmm. this on this issue because uh, the Lightfoot administration wanted to house migrants in a was it a converted school building? I can't, mm-hmm. yeah. And and uh, residents there got really upset. Uh, and you know there is not a uh, I, there you know the city's all over the place in terms of the positions on this, and it's not. You know, I think most people would say yes in in uh, general terms. We ought to be a sanctuary city, but when it gets down to the particulars, oof. I think Vallis even attacked Lightfoot on that, saying, "Hey, you're the person going out there saying we're sanct- uh, we're a sanctuary city, and you're high minded on this, but uh, you can't carry that commitment through." Yeah. Um, and uh, Lightfoot shot back that well, Vallis also kind of complained that he she was um, grandstanding, grandstanding, yeah. and, and and so. Uh, you know, talking about Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, no solutions, but a lot of political back and forth. Yeah. Well, Vallis also talked about uh, the, the CTA saying the CTA has failed across the board under the Lightfoot administration. Blame it on crime. Blame it on the perception that the CTA is unsafe. At the end of the day, public safety on the CTA has to be top priority, end quote. So he's calling for more uniformed officers. Overall, on to the which transit system. Lightfoot shot back. Well, it doesn't seem that Mr. Vallis has been riding the CTA because there are more officers on the CTA. Cam Buckner, uh, State Rep. Cam Buckner, you know, had a, a good point that I've heard from other people, other riders, like, you know, putting you know guard dogs and armed police is not necessarily making people feel safer. You know, he actually had a point. He said, "What is this? 1960s George Wallace, Alabama." Um, they don't they don't feel like that's maybe the approach that's taking care of the lack of cleanliness, the fact the number of houseless people that mm-hmm. are on that need the CTA. The CTA, I think, is of course crime is the point, but wow, the CTA, every single one stood up there like we need new leadership. And they're not wrong that like this isn't the CTA in its current state is just not up to par for who we are as a city, for as large as we are as a city. I talked about it last time I was here. You did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been running the CTA probably like Stephen Paris for, you know, almost 20 years. And it's like, 
it's not the same situation. It, it goes beyond the crime. I mean, the ghost buses, exactly. the fact that oh, yeah. you're standing on the platform in the freezing cold and your train's not coming for 26 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be coming in rush hour every eight minutes or so. And uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's They've a, got a, a convoluted system of like scheduled times and, and real time GPS that doesn't seem to it, be it, working. It, yeah, and, and the, the, the CTA chief has basically said the problem is I can't hire enough people and right. we're working on it. You know, we're trying to get people hired and that's going to solve all our problems. But I mean, this is this has been going on right. for a long time. Well, I just want to let folks know that you can read more about each candidate's views on crime at WBEZ.org. So another quick story related to the race. Early voting is just around the corner. Chicagoans can cast their ballots as early as January 26th, which is next Thursday. What do voters need to know, Paris, about where and how to vote? That they can do it at the Loop um, Super site starting January 26th and also at the Board of Elections downtown, 69 West Washington. So that's the same as as it's usually in, in federal elections. And then uh, starting February 13th, there's going to be a site in all 50 wards that you can go to. So very similar to the last election yeah. three months ago. Um, I, I don't know whether they're the exact same sites. They're usually libraries, libraries or school buildings, yeah. stuff like that. So you got to go go on the Board of Elections website to, to, to find you know the closest one to you as a voter. But plenty of ways to vote. Mail in, early voting, and then, of course, election date, the, the 20th. But I should note that, I mean, I think when you go to vote, there are going to be no lines because these are always low turnout elections and they're designed to be that way because they're so close to the last election, the, the midterm. Yeah. It, the turnout tends to be in the 20s and the 30s. Um, and this was built this way years and years ago to protect yeah. the incumbent. Um, and so so that is with nine but candidates. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, Carrie, do you remember what voter turnout used to look like in the past? Oh, it's always been low as long as I've covered the city. I mean, it's always just above 30 yeah. percent right now. I mean, yeah. as bad as like you'd sort of go out, you know, when you're a young reporter and like to the CTA and it's like, hey, did you vote yesterday? And they're like, for what? Like, you know, <laughs> like who? There's like, an election. <laughs> well, we have to keep in mind that for most of that history, there was a daily exactly. running and exactly. everybody assumed that, uh, you know, that was a foregone conclusion. So, right. Um, it, it, I don't, what was the turnout in the last one, uh, when it, things were so up for grabs in, in, in the runoff, it might've been a little bit higher. Right. Yeah. I think everybody expects a runoff and there'll right? be a runoff here. There'll yeah. be yeah. a runoff. And I mean, but also don't forget, you're also voting for your alderman or should be voting for your alderman. A lot of new names a there. Lot of so new names. many. And, and many then, of whom are unopposed. Let, also. Then let's add in the new police accountability yep. community yes, board. Yes which there are hundreds of candidates. Um, Yeah, election day is February 28th. Big reminder, are you three early voters or are you Mm -mm. election day voters? Election day for me. I don't think we're going to have nine candidates by February 20th. I mean, you know, I like to wait to. We shall see, Karen. You know, okay. Okay. (laughs) All right, so beyond the typical issues there uh, that you expect to hear about in a campaign, another issue came to the table that was the Chicago Bears. Oh, <laughs> of course, I turned to Paris Schutz. Um, <laughs> mayoral candidates shared what they would do to keep the Bears in Chicago instead of moving them to Arlington Heights. Did you guys watch what the candidates had to say on that? Well, a, a handful of them said, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try and keep them here. We need to have the Bears here." And then others, I think Chewy Garcia was one of them that said, "Let's let's try to find a way to keep them here." Others said, uh, "No, I mean." Let them go to Arlington Heights. It's not a huge loss for the city, and it's already pretty much a foregone conclusion. Cam Buckner, I think, sponsored it because he's a state rep. He sponsored the law that said no state subsidies for any team moving from one location in Illinois to another, a.k.a. the Bears. Um, But the question – I heard this on sports radio this morning, and I agree with this point. 
The question should be, what are you going to do with Soldier Field yeah. once the bears leave? That's the more pertinent question. Right. Not, not what are you going to do to keep the bears? They're gone unless – as yeah, they're, they're set to move. They're, if you listen to Kevin Warren, the new CEO of the Bears, and his comments, he said, we want to build an experience. We want to build something great. And he was instrumental in the Vikings building their new yes, stadium. So yeah, yeah. all signs point to this is happening, folks. And, He's and, pretty open. He wants them to go. To yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. those Soldier Field designs are cool. And where were they 20 years ago when, right. when the city and the Bears were at this stalemate and couldn't decide on anything? So they decided on this <laughs> Frankenstein <laughs> old, new, you know, yeah. monstrosity. That's not a bad place to watch football. Let's <laughs> just, I'll, I'll say that. It's not a bad – I'm a season ticket holder. So it's, Except when it's 20 below, it's a bad place. <laughs> it's, when it's 20 below, it's a bad place. But other than it's not a bad place to watch losing football. <laughs> well, before we take a, a pause, I want to turn to one more mayor race story. The Chicago Tribune recently reported that Lightfoot is spending more than she's raised for the campaign. Let's listen to what she had to say about it. It's campaign season. We're about 40 days out from election. Of course we're spending money. We're spending money to be on TV. We're spending money uh, in our field operation. We're spending money um, on voter engagements. So I'm not one who thinks that the thing to do is just continue to hoard money. We feel very good about where we are. We feel very good about um, the amount of money that we're raising. We're going to have plenty of money to make sure that we communicate, that we stay up on TV. All right, Paris. She says this is normal. It's not out of the ordinary. It's expected that as candidates near the end of their campaigns, they're going to spend money. I think what's a little out of the ordinary is that she's an incumbent and that she hasn't raised more. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned Daly. Daly cleared the field because he had all the money and all the power. And Rom raised millions and millions of dollars. And even even in that second uh, race where, where Chewy really, really challenged him, he had a lot of money in the bank. He had money for runoff. What's she going to do when if she goes to a runoff? Is this If she's spending at the rate that she's spending and raising money at the rate that she's raising, the math is going to be such that she's going she's gonna to hit zero uh, um, pretty soon. So, And right, as I mentioned, the strategy right now is to get up on the air and to define Chewy Garcia, the perceived frontrunner, and say, hey – this guy's got lots of problems with Madigan and with Sam Bankman-Fried. I think it's kind of a situation like what choice does she have? You know, it, it, you know, it's she would probably prefer not to do this if she were just being honest about it. Um, but she does need to define Chewy. She does need yeah. to do all of that uh, that she's talking about. And if she doesn't make the runoff, none of it matters. Right. So it's yeah. All right, let's take a quick pause. That's Steve Daniels of Crane Chicago Business, Carrie Shepard of CityCast Chicago, and Paris Schutz with WTTW. They're going to stick around. We hope that you will as well because there is much more news to get to. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, back with more Reset and more of our weekly news recap, which, by the way, you can watch right now on WBEZ's YouTube and Facebook pages. Now, speaking of social media, I wanted to let you know that your favorite radio show is now on TikTok. So if you are also on TikTok, give us a follow at WBEZ underscore Reset. But do that later because right now you're busy. All right, we're going to jump back into the news. People's Gas is planning a $12 monthly increase on bills beginning next year. Illinois' assault weapons ban faces two legal challenges and more are expected. Dozens of Illinois sheriffs are fighting for the public's right to bear arms in defiance of Democrat governor's extensive ban on firearms and high-capacity magazines. A lawsuit is now filed over the life and death of three-year-old Lily Shambrook. 
Our panel today, Para Schetz, political correspondent and co-anchor of Chicago Tonight on WTTW. Carrie Shepard, lead producer of CityCast Chicago, a daily podcast and newsletter about all things Chicago. And Steve Daniels, senior reporter at Crane Chicago Business. All right, over to you, Steve. We've had several conversations about bike safety here on, on Reset. And there's a family that is hoping that their lawsuit could contribute to that. The suit was filed by Tim Shambrook and Kate Snow, their parents of a three-year-old who was killed by a truck driver while they biked in Uptown last summer. So tell us what the lawsuit claims, Steve, and what are these parents hoping to accomplish? Uh, the lawsuit was uh, complaining uh, that there was a ComEd truck parked in the bike lane uh, that was impeding uh, the progress of the bike. This was the mom uh, with the three-year-old on the back of the bike uh, who had to veer around the tru- uh, the ComEd truck and then another truck that was driving on the road. Uh, she, she had to swerve to get away from. Her child fell off the seat and was killed. Uh, so uh, what the suit is saying is that ComEd truck should not have been there uh, you know, that this is a uh, systemic problem in the city of Chicago with these bike lanes being impeded by trucks or whatever uh, being uh, parking in the in the bike lanes so that people can't bike safely in areas of the city that are, are supposed to be safe to bike in. Uh, so uh, the, the, the suit is more about trying to address the problem and have some kind something good come out of such a tragedy than it is about, uh, at least as I read it, about you know money or anything like mm. that. So, right. um, so it it definitely raises the issue in terms of uh, biking in Chicago and is that safe? Uh, and you know, as someone who does bike in, you do. in Chicago, yeah, I mean, uh, have I've, you have you had to navigate between you know around a car in the bike lane? Oh, sure. Um, or, you know, the, the you know, delivery trucks are the scourge of, you know, whether you're driving in a car or whether you're on a bike, uh, delivery trucks uh, in this day and age are, are the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly utility trucks are there as well. But um, Also hearing more about like a lot of those Uber Eats deliveries mm-hmm. too, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, look, uh, it, it is, it's a tough issue. Um, it is a city. It's crowded. Uh, the streets were not built originally for this. Um, uh, so you're you're sort of trying to band-aid something on a system that wasn't meant to allow for that. But yeah. nonetheless, uh, it could be made more safe. I think that's fair to Carrie, say. Carrie Paris, has bike safety come up at all in the mayoral election? Um, well, I mean, the city council has taken action or talked about action about raising fines for, for those like ComEd or delivery drivers that are, are parking in bike lanes and... Um, whether that's going to make an impact or whether that's going to be enforced, I think is a question. I think the Shambrook family says this doesn't go far enough. Right. I mean, who's who's going to who's who's going to adhere to this? Two hundred and fifty dollars for ComEd. They, I mean, that's yeah. chump change. Jeez. I mean, they're. That's I mean, they the, paid two million dollars in the Madigan. Ex- exactly. And that was chump change. I mean, it's two, like two hundred million. I'm sorry, two hundred million. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Price of doing business, you know. But it is it is a huge issue. It's something we hear about. We hear from this is a really active cyclist community in mm-hmm. Chicago, and I mean, we've been hearing about safer. I mean, safer bike lanes for. For decades. For a long time. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, as long as they're, if they're not protected, it's kind of hard. You, you are kind of just, you know, rolling the dice a little bit. If you, I, I I also love to bike in the city. Um, and yeah, you have to be extra aware, uh, especially on certain streets, you know, that are very heavily trafficked uh, by cars. And 
But then in, in an infrastructure sense, how do you, on a street like that in Uptown, you know, where folks are parking, how do, you, mm-hmm. how do you make a protected bike lane and then have the parking spots and then have the street? It, they have those on Milwaukee. It's confusing. Right. It's a yeah. little it's, confusing, yeah. The north side is also, I live, on, I live on the south side and there's not, it's not as dense. Uh, so it's easier to navigate uh, and the bike lanes are better, I think, mm-hmm. protected. Yeah. But north side is just so crowded. That um, it, it is, it's just a different ball game. Well, we'll hopefully hear more about what uh, candidates have to say about this. The Safe Streets for All Coalition they plan to host a, a forum centering on their stances on on, on biking. I will just add in. I, I mean, we did a, a on WTTW a, a forum for the Secretary of State uh, candidates, Alexia Janulis. I mean, they have a role to play too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he basically said, like in the rules of the road, we can. We, we can make bike safety, you know, and sharing the road a bigger part of the driver test. And, and maybe that's something they'll do. I mean, that's IDOT, Illinois Department of Transportation, they actually oversee a lot of streets and, and roadways in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's turn away from the mayor's race and, and look specifically at, at City Hall, right? The council itself. Uh, so thanks to more than a dozen retirements and departures, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of council seats to fill in this February elections. Uh, a lot of groups across the city, like the Teachers Union, uh, Democratic Socialists of America, they're looking to get people in those seats. So are any of you following the aldermanic races closely? What are you keeping an eye on specifically? Well, I mean, I do think that this is going to come up, not to, of course, back to the mayor, but, you know, like tying all these retirements to how the mayor interacts or does not interact well with her council. Um, This is something I think people are going to pounce on a little bit. To Steve's point earlier about Woodlawn, like a big issue there is alderman you know, moving moving migrants to a, a you know a closed school in Woodlawn. Alder Alder person Jeanette Taylor was like, "You didn't consult with me. This is my ward." And there, you do you're going to hear that over and over again of like she's not maybe working with us. Um, aldermen, that's it's tough to get yeah. people to care about their aldermen, and they play a crucial role. That's who you call to fill your potholes and stuff. Um, but I'm, I don't have a competitive race in my ward, so I haven't been following admittedly mine too closely. I think it's really interesting. You have a lot of institutional memory that's leaving. You yeah. have someone like Tom Tunney, who's mm-hmm. been there for a long time in the Forever. 44th ward. I mean, even in the last election, you lost people like uh, Pat uh, O'Connor, who had been mm-hmm. there forever. You have Ed Burke, for better or worse, is leaving. I mean, you know, say what you will about him, but the guy did know, you know, the rules of city council. He would always quote uh, Robert's rules of order. And so (laughs) there's a lot of uh, institutional memory leaving. And I wonder what that means for the functioning of city council and the mayor's office in the future, Uh, because in the past, you know, it was power was consolidated uh, and there there was a floor leader that kind of like knew how to whip all the votes for the mayor. And you can argue whether that's good for democracy or not. And now I'm very interested to see what this new council is going to be like in that way and whether it's going to be a, a little more anarchic. And mm. um, and the other interesting thing is, you know, we mentioned this in the mayor's race, but policing and public safety is a huge issue. Will voters in wards go uh, toward a, a more sort of democratic socialist direction and, you know, be vote for folks that are, want less resources for the police or the other way. Mm. I mean, and, mm. and I think Mayor Lightfoot is even betting that voters are in the mood to go the other way a little bit um, to 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 support police officers and to hire more police officers. Mm-hmm. To Pierce's point, too, about I mean, we are starting to see all the wards represented by 
by the people that look like the people who live there more. Mm-hmm. Like Pat O'Connor was, you know, he lost to Andre Vasquez up there on the north side. Yeah. I mean, Burke's district. I mean, these are overwhelmingly more Latino districts right. that mm-hmm. have long had this, you know, a white walled alderman. And that has been changing in recent years. Well, another story that's on our radar is, uh, you know, Chicago getting $20 million from the state to help support immigrants in the city. This one comes after thousands of asylum seekers, as we mentioned, coming from the southern border. Is $20 million enough, though? Not for the mayor. She wanted like 50, didn't she? Well, she yeah. yeah, she asked for another $53.5 yeah. Is there a chance that she could se- secure that funding? I think she needs federal help. Yeah, I mean, the state definitely. the state is one thing, but uh, she needs to make the case to – and federal local Congress people need to make that case to appropriate more money. I don't really know what the accurate number is. I don't know how many more folks they project coming here from Texas or from, from the border. Um, but then the other question is what about the other organizations that are involved here and what about other municipalities around Chicago? Is there a coordinated effort with the city and, and other – places in the region to, mm. to try and, and and house folks. Yeah. yeah. Th- the answer is... to that seems to be no. No. Right. <laughs> right. Right. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are going behind the headlines in the weekly news recap with WTTW's Paris Schutz, CityCast Chicago's Carrie Shepard, and Steve Daniels with Crane's Chicago Business. A reminder, we are online. We are on YouTube and Facebook on the WBEZ pages. You can watch us break down the news right now. Uh, So Paris, Springfield's lame duck session that ended last week, uh, followed by the swearing in of incumbents and newly minted legislators. Democrats still maintain control of the state government, as we know. So how have Republicans reacted so far? Well, the same way they've reacted uh, over the last several years, because this is a familiar position that they're in. They don't really have any power in in any branch of the legislature or the the same energy, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you know, there are a lot of Bills that have been like the uh, abortion uh, bill protecting folks that are coming from out of state uh, to to get an abortion and uh, um, gender affirming care, um, the assault weapons bill. I mean, Republicans have gone out and said that they're not in support of these things. But really, what can they do other than in the case of the and I know we'll talk about this in the case of the assault weapons bill, sue, 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 mm-hmm. sue, sue, sue. Mm-hmm. Now there's like five or six lawsuits already. Well, the why bill don't just we, passed a week ago. Why and, don't we get into that? Only a week old and, and it's already facing its first lawsuits, the assault weapons ban, including one from the Illinois State Rifle Association. Were you following this, Steve? Mm-hmm. So what do we know about this and other suits to come? Well, I think all of this was completely predictable. I mean, it, this is going to get tested in court, and the, and the advocates for the law knew that too. So, it, you know, might as well get it started. But um, I, you know, the, I think the 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 bigger issue is enforcement on the ground, yes. right? Uh, at this, you yeah. know, the courts w- will do whatever they do. Um, but right now, there is a whole slew of sheriffs all over the state of Illinois that are refusing to enforce this. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you know, you have a law in the books that's not enforced, it's not much of a and law. And what's the common argument here in all these suits? It's, it's, not, well, it's infringing we upon had, our we Second had one Amendment rights. on the show from uh, downstate Jefferson County who said it, it, it is infringing on the Constitution. It's unconstitutional. The thing is, that's, that's his opinion. I mean, right now, it is the law of the state. Uh, it is going to be litigated. There is no injunction on it, as we know right now. So it is the law of the land. And in terms of the constitutionality, you know, I know this is a thorny issue, but if you read the Second Amendment, it's the most confusing amendment there is. It's been interpreted every which way for hundreds of years. I mean, it was interpreted to not enumerate an individual right to bear arms for a long time. 
because um, if you look at that clause, uh, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of free state, comma, the right to uh, <laughs> keep and bear arms. Such a T- tell the, tell <laughs> right. the Supreme Court. Yeah, you know? their grammar was a little off. But, you know, it's like it, it – so – it's it's very confusing. It's being litigated. Obviously, a more conservative Supreme Court in many years has has favored a gun rights folks. But this whole question of of banning assault weapons, there is a gray area. There's a case in Maryland, and it really hinges on the fact that are these rifles, are these weapons commonly used for personal defense? And there is an interpretation of the Second Amendment that it really does. Uh, it is about personal defense. It is, is it about arms that, that you use for personal defense? And there could be a conservative justice or two that says, you know what? These assault rifles, they're not commonly used for self-defense, and thus it's not unconstitutional wasn't, to ban them. We just don't know. Wasn't there um, a situation – didn't New York state have a, a weapons restriction that the Supreme, U.S. Supreme Court explicitly allowed to go forward? Without deciding on the merits, I mean, they're, they're, it's being challenged, but, right. but the Supreme Court was asked to stay it, right? Mm. Uh, and they did not, right? Mm. Uh, so that that's that's to interesting. Me, that's the argument that uh, that really these sheriffs uh, that you know, the sheriffs most officials uh, swear to uh, uphold the Constitution, right? But, right. So they can always say, "Hey, I, I took an oath. I yeah, swore to do this." But again, it's but it's. That that's the argument against yeah. them is that hey the even the supreme the U.S. Supreme Court which everybody sort of assumes is ultimately going to rule in your favor, uh, is, has said uh, the, this law at least in New York should go forward. It, and the other thing about enforcing it with the sheriffs, it's the Illinois State Police. It's a separate agency that's going to be charged with um, you know administering the registration of folks who currently own these weapons. So. The folks that do, we have to clarify, the folks that have, you know, these weapons with uh, 10 rounds or 15 rounds, AR-15s and and whatnot, they get to keep them. They get to keep them. But they They have to register them with the State Rifle Association. So I said to one of these sheriffs, like, what exactly then are you going to not enforce? And he says, well, I'm not going to arrest anyone if they're not complying and not registering with the state police. And then one of them suggested, I might even take action against the state police if they try to register somebody's gun. Yeah, legislators in support of the assault weapons ban definitely made concessions for some of some of these folks and the enforcement like Steve says I mean this is not just like counties downstate we're talking like in DuPage our second largest county in Illinois which you know obviously mm-hmm. is suburbs right around us so yeah I think that's a little concerning well there's a lot more news to come folks but first we're going to check in real quick with Lisa Labas we'll be right back with Paris Schutz reporter and anchor at WTTW Carrie Shepard lead producer at the podcast CityCast Chicago and Steve Daniels with Crane's Chicago Business this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just joining us, it is our weekly news recap. We've been getting updates on what's been happening at the state capitol with the mayoral candidates and with the Chicago Bears. With me are three world-class local journalists, Paris Schutz from WTTW, Carrie Shepard from CityCast Chicago, and Steve Daniels from Cranes. All right, so I want to jump right to YouTube, where our friends have been leaving lots of comments on our previous discussion on, on bike safety, folks. Uh, Olu says, making bike safety a part of the drive 
driving test in student driving education is a good idea. Uh, We've got another comment here from Tomo who says, uh, make bright clothing mandatory for all cyclists. 75% Mm. of what you see out there on bicycles are are dressed in black. Uh, Mm -hmm. They look like phantoms at night. (laughs) You can't see them at all. That's a pretty good point. I tend to agree as a a driver. Uh, Paige Smith says bikers should also have more riding safety with horns. Safety vests, mirrors on their bikes, plus change the culture of how you are uh, with other vehicles on the streets. Mm-hmm. So. Those are great comments. Those and then and the lights, too. You've got to have the light on the front and the light on the back. I mean, it's pretty much the responsibility of everybody now to, to solve this problem. I mean, bikers, motorists, the city. I think we all the have state. the same idea. We don't want to see any more of these yeah, deaths. Absolutely. It's tragic. Mm-hmm. All right, let's, let's talk about our bills, Steve. You've been following a few stories <laughs> about Illinois utility companies, NICOR Gas, People's Gas, ComEd. They're all seeking uh, rate hikes. So, what's going on? Well, what's going on uh, is that a lot of the laws that sort of allowed these rates to reset. Uh, every year are expiring and they're not going to be extended. So uh, the utilities are going back to the old system of filing with the regulators for uh, for their for their rate hikes and they're all doing it at the same time because these laws are all expiring at the same time. Uh, it, it is unprecedented, I think. I just ran into the chair chairman of the uh, Illinois Commerce Commission the other night and uh, yeah, she was sort of bemo- bemoaning the workload, mm-hmm. uh, but the I don't. I certainly I've been doing this a long time. I don't recall every single utility of size uh, coming in at the same time. And and there's there's going to be a real question of whether the the regulators even have the resources to go through all because these, these are these are detailed lit- litigation like proceedings that require staff. I don't think they've got the staff to do it the, right the right way anyway. The Illinois Commerce Commission, have they ever denied ComEd or Anything? any utility <laughs> that wanted the rate? I, I can't remember them ever saying, no, you haven't made your case. We're not going to allow you to raise these rates. Well, it's, yeah, you're, if you go in, you're going to get something, right? So, right. yeah, it's and, – and a lot of it is is set in law and um, precedent. Um, so – you know, if they're going to deny that, they ha- they have to basically decide that all everything you're spending, all these investments you're making, are not needed, mm. or in their the lexic- their lexicon imprudent. But it, it from a consumer point of view, let's let's get out of the regulatory weeds. From a consumer point of point of view, this is this is brutal. I mean, we've uh, we've already had uh, our our utility bills soaring mm-hmm. and because of commodity price changes. Now, thankfully, some of those commodity prices have eased, but they could well soar yeah. again. The utilities, in the meantime, are at, at, on an unprecedented capital spending binge, infrastructure spending binge. It's been going on for years, and that they just want to keep going on. That's how they make more money. It's how they increase their shareholder dividends every year. And um, something's got to give. So I'm curious, what else are you going to watch for in that story? Uh, well, I'm going to watch for what what kind of pushback the, the Commerce Commission uh, provides. The, the regulators are finally being allowed to do their jobs. What are they going to do? Uh, also, in the, in the legislature, I think there will mm-hmm. be some reaction uh, in Springfield, um, on uh, certainly on the gas side, uh, you know these gas bills. I mean, there's there's a big overarching question with natural gas, which is, will we even be using natural gas to heat our homes twenty or thirty years from now? Which which, which is nuts, given the fact that they've spent, like you said, billions and billions and billions of dollars replacing all the 
all the gas lines. Yeah, they're the building a brand new gas system that would last for, say, 50 years when po- public policy is we don't want gas in 50 years. So then you're going to have what is called in the business a stranded asset, meaning it's got to be paid off. Someone's got to pay it off, mm-hmm. but no one's going to use it. <laughs> it, it so it, it is uh, – these larger questions are what need to be answered. There needs to be more of a strategy of uh, how how do we want fuel and energy to look like yeah. in 20, 30, 25 years ago and then respond to it's, that. It's also amazing that ComEd, as we mentioned, pays $200 million admitting to this bribery scandal, and it, they're going to make so much more if these rate uh, plans go through that it's just like it – it doesn't the matter. The optics are bad on the that, aren't are they? Bad. <laughs> yeah, we got a priorities? trial. We got a trial starting in March. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. right, with the former ComEd uh, CEO. But, you know, the other thing is what's going on with the city's franchise agreement? ComEd has a franchise agreement exclusively to be the power provider to everybody in the city. It's been up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like there's any other viable company that could come in um, and do it because it's all ComEd's infrastructure. So what's going on with that? Uh, that's taking forever. I mean, both, both sides say they're you know making progress. It's, uh, is is Lori Lightfoot going to be the mayor yeah. in in May? I mean that that's the other question here is yeah. on on the franchise. Someone agreement. should ask the candidates Some other things this. to figure out. Yeah, someone should ask the candidates about this. Oh wait a second, I think there's another forum coming up yes, on WTTW. And that's and- right. <laughs> that's very sly. And also on WBEZ, <laughs> February seventh, eighth, and ninth. Cr- Cranes has got one coming up. <laughs> wow. Too. Okay. Carrie, no. How about you? Um, Citycast. We, we no. don't have one yet scheduled okay. yet, but we yeah not yet. But our listeners only care about ours, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, so let's switch gears here. Foodies all around Chicago. That's one thing we can probably agree on. Um, We'll have a chance to actually eat at some of the top restaurants in the city at a bargain because Chicago Restaurant Week kicks off today. Which restaurants are you most looking forward to eating at, Carrie? Oh, on the spot. I know. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't made up a list yet, but, you know, Restaurant Week is always great because January is such a slow month for the service industry and the service industry has been nailed and slow to recover post-pandemic. So getting people out to places and tipping well tipping their servers well. Um, yes, good point. Yeah, I don't I I don't know the list off the top of my head. I'm sorry, Sasha. I'm a bad person to ask about that. <laughs> I'm an old school guy. I, you know, I don't even know the new hip restaurants. I always go to like Club Lucky and then, <laughs> then I, I, I go to the Erie well, Cafe. Let, let me check Eerie it. Cafe. Eerie Cafe. There's an well, old one. Here's why I go to the Erie Cafe. To every, see politicians. Yes, because <laughs> every time I'm there, I see about 10 different public officials and they're all drinking martinis and I can get so much out of them. Barrios and... Barrios Oh, yeah. He's stand by the bar drinking his wine. Um, and that's that's when you can really get the good dirt. <laughs> Any favorite restaurants of yours, Steve? Yeah, I'm also I'm afraid a terrible person to ask. And new ones in Hyde Park. We do. Eric all Virtue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and which I would actually would like to go to Virtue. And, and you know what? It's hard to get in there. It's yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. Yes, it it's, is. It's like months uh, in advance. So, um, well, speaking of places that are, well, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me, but I hear so many good things about Bronzeville Winery, mm. which is on the list. Mm. Um, and I've been trying to to get myself in there as well. I want to go so bad because I just keep hearing all these good reviews yeah, about yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. the entire, you know, the atmosphere, the food. All yeah, Restaurant things. Week is hard then to, you know, secure a reservation because yeah. ev- that's when everybody's trying to go and get the good deals. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, then never mind. Um, okay, so next story. A, a Chicago dog rescue group is uh, trying to find an owner for a 10-year-old pup dubbed Lord Harold. 
The rescue group, called One More Dog Rescue, Inc., says he has a severe heart murmur. He has a persistent cough that we've been treating with medication, and he's a biter. He loves to bite. Don't worry, though. The guy has zero teeth, so instead, it's just like a sad gummy kiss. He's a gummer. Also, also the excitement from latching on brings on a coughing fit. Yeah. So this is this is him. This is our guy. Have you seen him? So for my friends on YouTube, this is Lord Harold. (laughs) Wait, no, where they're having a hard time. No one wants to adopt him. Is that what you're saying? No one wants to adopt him. They're trying to find own. He's 10 years old. What do you guys think of little Lord? I think he's super cute and I would adopt him. He kind of looks like Yoda. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> or a baby Yoda or something, right? Adopt me, will you? <laughs> no, tea? That was terrible. That was a terrible Yoda impression. <laughs> Work so, on it for a TTW tonight. Yeah. Get your Yoda. Okay. Yeah. So any, get my Yoda ready. Any of you looking to adopt a, a gummy mouth pup? I already have one with teeth. Do you? <laughs> 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 uh, I don't know if it'd be fair to the the gummy mouth one. Well, I think, you know, PAWS and these organizations make the case that if you adopt senior dogs, it's kind of better than adopting a puppy because yep. they're, in many cases, already trained, already house trained. They're much more docile. They kind of want to just lay on your lap yep. rather than run yep. around and chase every squirrel. Mm-hmm. So so there are definite benefits, although, I mean, then you get so attached and then they're going to be gone get so home. soon. Right. Trying to get Lord I mean, Harold I, a forever home here. I no. would no. adopt a billion dogs if I didn't have anyone else in my house who maybe might <laughs> <laughs> invite a billion dogs. But he's very cute. All right. Some big changes, Paris, yeah. coming to Chicago tonight. Yeah. Hosted by none other than yourself. So tell us. what And can Brandis folks, Friedman. And Brandon, Brandis Friedman. What can people expect? Well, th- we did our last um, Chicago Tonight ever uh, at 7 p.m., uh, unless you count the Week in Review. The Week in Review will be tonight at 7 p.m. And then mm-hmm. starting Monday, we are moving to 10 p.m. Mm. And uh, there's no other newscast at 10 p.m., so it <laughs> shouldn't be a problem. So then why well, move the show later? The, we're also going to cut down to a half an hour. And the thought is we're keeping the same staff. In fact, we're expanding our staff. And the thought is we can – Direct more of it to do more in-depth investigative stuff. Mm. And, you know, because a lot of times what happens with the hour show, I'd like to say we kill it every night. But everybody is sort of working on trying to fill that hour. And it's sometimes the feeding the beast. We all feed the beast. Of, yeah. yeah. So and sometimes we got to stretch and sometimes it doesn't make for the most interesting TV. So with a half hour, it's going to be a lot more resources poured into doing packages. Yeah. Doing stories. I, you know, it's a tough change. I mean. Our viewers, we've we've gotten some feedback that they don't like it, and and I completely understand that. I mean, this has been like this for thirty years or so, and mm-hmm. it's part of people's lives. It's part of people's routines. They might you know be cooking dinner, or uh, they just come home from work and they want to catch up on what's happening uh, with Chicago tonight. So change is hard. I totally get it. So come with us to ten o'clock and see see if you like you know watching this and getting this information at ten. It's the same show. It's the same kind of How's content. How's going to change your bedtime, too, your, your schedule? I already am a night owl. <laughs> okay, never it's mind. It's going to not change it at all. Okay, good, good, <laughs> you know, good. If, if they're really stuck on 7 o'clock, they could just watch the show yeah. on their computer exactly. the next yeah. day at yeah. 7 o'clock. That's yeah. the beauty. Yeah. Like appointment watching, listening, appointment. Beauty, it's, it's so well, different now. Well, you know this in radio, Sasha. I mean, it's it just oh, kind yeah. of feels like what time we're on at some point is going to be like, you know, moot. It's just going yep. to be when people no are going to stream it. I mean, yeah. with this show, the creation of this show, which you you probably know more than I do, Carrie, with your time formerly at WBEZ, right? 
morning shift, afternoon shift, yeah. and you know, changing things from nine a.m. to eleven a.m. Yep. Exactly. We had an eight fifty at one point. Right. Fifty. We I mean, started. what were the yeah. discussions then? When it was okay, we're going to move this thing to eleven. We're going to make it two hours. People you know, adapt. People right? adapt. Exactly. So I, I also want to make the you know, all right. What are the reasons to do this? Also, I mean, the station did some research that found that there there are more potential viewers at ten o'clock that are looking. Uh, for an alternative yeah. to, to your kind of to regular your local TV news yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at ten, yeah. right? So, yeah. well, um, yeah. best of luck Something to you. More Thank you very much. I'll be watching. Late if, you if you don't want to watch nonstop crime news, you know that sort of thing. Right at Quick ten hits. o'clock. Tune uh, into WTTW. Yeah. And TTW's got a stellar just, just, career. Yeah. Just don't call me early in the morning because I'll probably be <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> we'll leave it there. That's Paris Schutz, political correspondent, co-anchor of Chicago Tonight on WTTW. Carrie Shepard, lead producer of CityCast Chicago, which is a daily podcast and newsletter, and Steve Daniel, senior reporter at Crane's Chicago Business. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much.